invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 4 in your Bibles. We're going through our Bible in a a year-ish timeline series. And uh, we're at a a, a very um, well-known, if you've been coming to church for a while, a very well-known story in Exodus. And it's a lengthy one. And we're actually catching this story in not at its not at its very beginning. Um, what we're going to read is a dialogue between God and, and Moses, and this dialogue begins with um, the the burning bush, and that is in Exodus chapter three. And so we're we're kind of entering in the middle of this dialogue that God is having with with Moses here. And then read verses one through seventeen. Moses answered God. What if they, my fellow Israelites, do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak and we, when he took it out, it The skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into the cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. That water you take from the river will become blood. On the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you, I will help speak, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand 
so you can perform the signs with it. If you look at your outline, your sermon outline in um, in your bulletin, you're going to see three questions that we're going to go through um, today that are kind of mapped out by this story. And I want to want to just give you the first question. We'll talk about it a little bit here. Um, the first question this story uh, asks us to consider ourselves is, what story are you following? Um, you know, throughout this Bible series in a year, one of the interesting things, when you take a high-level view of the Bible, you, you pretty much include just the, the really important stories in the Bible storyline. There's there's not too many little side stories that we look at when you're trying to cram everything in a year. And let me tell you, this this story from from Exodus it is it's just one of the most important stories in the Bible. Um, it it helps. It, I mean, it provides uh, an overview, if, if you will, of 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 the entire Bible story. I, I want to read to you what um, is written about this story in Deuteronomy. Um, you know, before we get there, you know, let's remind ourselves what's what's happening with this dialogue God is having with Mo- with Moses. Uh, God is going to rescue his people, the Israelites, from slavery in Egypt, and he's inviting Moses to be a part of of that rescue mission. Um, so that sounds pretty important anyway. Well, let's look at what Deuteronomy says about this very story right here. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. In other words, from the very beginning of time, ask um, what, uh, have you ever heard anything like this story? And, And he's referring to this rescue mission that God goes on with with Moses' help. Verse 34, about this story. Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs, and by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? So, so this, the scripture in Deuteronomy identifies the Exodus story, the rescue of the Israelites out of Egypt, and asks, has anything like that ever been done from the beginning of time since God created human beings? Is there anything like this story? No. That's how big and important this, this Exodus story is. We're going to look at it today. We're going to look at it next week. So two sto- two weeks to um to look at this 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 Exodus story. Um this is a I mean it's 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 a huge story and I I think we when we consider the story that we read today, I think we're gonna 
focus on three, I think we need to focus on three important details. I'm going through them really quickly. Detail one, God is supreme. Uh, throughout the story, God demonstrates his supreme authority. He asks Moses to lay down his staff. Piece of wood becomes a snake. Staff and snake. Those were very significant images of authority and power in ancient Egypt. The staff was a sign of ruling authority. So Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, would have had a staff. His his court officials would have had staffs. Um, the staff was a symbol of I am, I've got power. Snake was a symbol of power in ancient Egyptian culture um, because of its power to take life. You know, the, the deadly poisonous snake bite when Moses throws his staff down, becomes a snake, and Moses doesn't want to handle the snake. He's not like, oh, that's kind of neat. He's running away from the snake because snakes were seen as these powerful and kind of terrifying creatures. Uh, Pharaoh, on his his head garment, his head piece, um, had, had a snake on it. You might think of... Um, Ancient Egyptian jewelry often had a snake that would be coiled around like a bracelet. You know, we wear it as a bracelet. Snakes were signs of of power in uh, in ancient Egyptian culture. So think of the two signs, the symbols that God uses in the story: staff and snake. God is making a statement about His authority, about His power. He's taking these two. Two symbols, and he's saying, guess who has the real authority, the real power? It's me. It's, it's, it's the one true God. God is supreme. Two, uh, God calls you. He calls Moses in the story. God didn't have to include Moses on this rescue mission, but he does. Um. God did not have to use Moses, certainly because of uh, Moses had a, um, you know, not, not a terribly impressive history up to this point. I mean, sure, there's the the put the baby in the basket part of his beginning, and, but Moses really didn't do anything there. He just sat in the basket and was snatched up by uh, Pharaoh's daughter, taken to the Egyptian court. We don't really see Moses uh, doing anything terribly significant until about 40 years prior to this encounter with with God that we're reading about here. And um, and 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 what what led Moses to to where he is with the Lord right now? Well, right here, this conversation is taking place um, away from Egypt and Midian. And Moses is there through his failure. Um, he killed an Egyptian. Remember that part of Moses' storyline? Uh, he killed an Egyptian who was mistreating uh, Israelites, and uh, Moses thought it was one of his good moments. He, he thought by doing that, the Israelites would take notice and think of Moses as kind of a, a hero figure at that time. But that's not what happened. Acts 7, verse 25 says that Moses thought his own people would recognize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. 
The Israelites weren't impressed with Moses' killing of the Egyptian, and Pharaoh wasn't impressed with it either. Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses for that, so Moses fled for his life. He wound up in Midian, and he stayed there for 40 years. 40 years living in this middle world between doing what he thought would be God's work for him, because that's what got him there in the first place, going to rescue his people, your people, God, I'm going to kill this Egyptian, kind of run for his life from that. And then this, this story here of encountering God at the burning bush. So I want you to think of this false narrative. Remember the question, what story are you following? Think about this false narrative that Moses may be following with his own life. This false narrative that Moses could be telling himself. I have the staff. God's asking me about this staff to my hand because I'm a, I'm a failure. Um, because I've made a mistake. Why do I have the staff in my hand? Because I'm a shepherd. And I've been a shepherd in Midian for 40 years. And shepherds have staffs. That's why I have the staff in my hand. And for 40 years, I've just been tending sheep in my father-in-law's field. They're not even my own sheep. They're my father-in-law's sheep. And I'm doing that instead of rescuing God's people like I thought I would be doing. It's just not that impressive of a storyline so far for Moses. Um, and think about this. I want to read this other scripture from Acts, Acts chapter 7, verse 22. Listen to what this says about Moses, his earlier years in Egypt. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. So Moses was being groomed to be a leader in Egypt. But for 40 years, he was being a shepherd in his father-in-law's field away from Egypt. So maybe the story, the false narrative that Moses was telling himself is, I failed to live up to my expectations. I failed to live up to others' expectations of me, and I've failed to live up to God's expectations of me. So Moses may have been tempted to believe this false storyline that says, I'm just a mess up. But there's a different story that's being presented in the Bible here. And that different story is this. God sees you much differently, much differently than you see yourself. You may see yourself as flawed. Your story may have some failure moments. But God sees his life in your work. God loves you deeply. God is deeply involved in your life, the details of your life getting to where you are now. That's, that's a storyline that God sees. It could be very different from the storyline that God, that Moses is seeing for himself. And it's in this, the storyline that God sees that's deeply involved in the details of your life. It's in that storyline that God calls you. God calls you to do what? God calls you to participate in God's saving work. You're, you're, you are not fundamentally called just to, to walk with God or to be a Christian and then just live for yourself. That's not God's call. God's call is not believe in me and live for yourself. God's call is for you to participate in God's saving acts. You are called to bring about redemption, God's redemptive work that he's doing in the world. 
Um, I read the story just the other day about, uh, boy, I wish I knew how to pronounce his name, Kari Willis. You hear about the, the, um, the NFL football player. I think he's in his third or fourth season with the Indianapolis Colts, plays safety. Um, I think he was on his, his kind of, kind of rise of his football career. Um, and he decided, young guy, he decided to retire from the NFL so that he could pursue full-time ministry. Kind of the peak of his career is like, I'm done. I'm retiring so that he could pursue full-time ministry. Um, now let me say, um, I believe that, speaking of full-time ministry, I believe that being an NFL player is just as noble as a, as an, of an occupation as being in full-time ministry. God could, could use Kari Willis in his NFL career as an Indianapolis Colts playing football. God could use him in that role just as well as he could use him in full-time vocational ministry. But as this young man considered the story that he wanted to follow in his life, the story that he chose to follow was not, let me get stinking rich in the NFL. He chose a different story. He was willing to put his following God before his following money. He wanted a different story driving his life. So God always is inviting us to see our lives as part of this much bigger story of bringing redemption to the world. That's the story that this little story in Exodus that we're reading about invites us to consider. What story are you following in your life? And there are two questions that this story, that that Moses wrestles with in this story that we have to ask ourselves as we consider what storyline are we following over the life. So the first question that Moses has to wrestle with is this. What has God given you? Look at verse 2 in Exodus 4. God asks Moses this question. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? It's a staff, God Moses replied, when God asks a question in the Bible, it is not so that God can gain information. It's not so that God can gain an answer. It's so that someone can consider the answer. God does not ask questions for his benefit. He asks questions for for our benefit. He asks this question for Moses' benefit. God knew good and well what Moses had in his hand. And so God is asking Moses to really think about, okay, this piece of wood in my hand. Why do I have it again? Oh, yeah, I've been a shepherd for 40 years in Midian, tending my father-in-law's sheep. (laughs) So Moses may have been rehearsing that different storyline of his own history as he's answering God's question, what's in my hand? Um, It may have led to this moment of crisis and self-doubt for Moses. He may have thought, yeah, yeah, I grew up in the court of Pharaoh. Yeah, God, I, I get it. I was being groomed to be a leader. And 
I've been leading for these past 40 years. I've been leading a flock of sheep that belong to my father-in-law in the fields instead of leading your people. So talk about unrealized expectations. So much of Moses' life was just reflected in the stick. And I think God is leading Moses to, in this moment, this kind of moment of, of inner angst, realizing how his life was falling short to his own expectations. And so it's a pretty, pretty ordinary thing in Moses' hand. You know, this is just the ordinary uh, item that a, that an ordinary shepherd would would have in his hand. And God says, if you let go of that staff, if you throw it on the ground like I ask you to do that, if you let go of it, it's going to go from this dead piece of wood and something remarkable is going to happen with it. <laughs> it's it's going to come alive. It's it, I'm going to do something with this ordinary piece of wood that you have, Moses. So watch for that. Um. And think of all that God did with that stick of Moses's, by the way. This is the stick that Moses held up to part the, the waters of the Red Sea, where, where, where God walled, made two walls of water so the Israelites could, could pass through the Red Sea. Uh, this was the, the stick that Moses used, because God told him to, to, to bring forth water gushing from the rock and the wilderness. This is the stick that Moses held up so that the Israelites would, would, would win a battle over their enemies. I mean, this pretty amazing stuff that God did with his staff. He said, Moses, if you lay that down, if you, you let me use that staff in your hand, I'm going to do amazing things through it. So when God asked Moses what was in his hand, he was asking him, he was inviting him to see a bigger storyline for his life. A smaller storyline may have focused on his past failures. God is giving him a much bigger storyline that is, that is much more future focused. Moses, if you do this, I will do amazing things through you and that staff of yours. So I want you to think, what do I have? What do I have in my hand? Um, when you consider, put yourself in Moses' position. You're not a shepherd, I don't think. You don't have a staff in your hand, but you got something that God is pointing out when he asks you, what do you have in your hand? What do you think of? You might think, oh gosh, I really don't have much. My life is just rather plain. So being a part of God's bigger story means taking what you do have. Maybe you've got a plain stick or something that's the equivalent of just this plain staff. Recognizing that God says, listen, if you will lay that down, if you'll let me work through that, I will do something remarkable through that. You just never know what God will do with it. So there's limitless applications here as you consider what you have in your hand. Um. I remember when I uh, became a pastor for the first time, associate pastor on staff, and oh my gosh, maybe month three of the job, I uh, circulated a flyer in the church. Um, and I had all these different things 
that I was asking people, hey, do you have one of these? And then I had like a blank, what else do you have? And what I was thinking of is I would I would ask people, do you have some stuff? Because I'd, I'd like to see if I can use them in the student ministry of the church. And, um, you know, got all those back from the congregation. And one of the flyers said, we've got a boat and we live on a ski lake. And this was early enough where I'm still learning people in the church. Quite honestly, I don't think I ever followed up on the boat ski lake thing for like a couple of years <laughs> until I started really getting to know people. I probably should have circulated that flyer a little later once I started to know people in the church. Because a couple of years later, I had a couple come up to me and say, hey, we've got a boat. We live in a ski lake. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember the flyer. And that couple um, wound up being just a huge gift to our student ministry for oh, a decade to follow. Every year we take the, the students on a on a spiritual retreat out to their ski lake using their boat uh, to go skiing and, and do some amazing group building um, things. And just, just, just one possible application of... What can happen when you say, yeah, God, I've got this in my hand. Will, will you use this? Will you use whatever this is? I don't know what you want to do with it, but I'm going to let you use it. Maybe what you have in your hand is a possession. Maybe not. Maybe it's a skill. Maybe it's an ability that God has worked into your life. God says, "We just give those to me. Let's set them down. I'm going to make them come alive. So that's the first question that Moses has to wrestle with. What has God given me? Here's the, the next question. How has God made you? Moses had to think, how has God made me? Moses I think Moses is going to God and saying, God, I can't do this job of yours. One, I'm not, I'm not, people aren't going to believe me when I, when I tell them what you've asked me to do. Help lead your people out of slavery. I don't have enough. God says, well, you got the staff. And then Moses says, and I am not enough. I don't have innerly, inwardly enough to do this. Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. And perhaps this is, again, Moses just having a battle, believing this, this, um, this false narrative for his life because we already learned from Acts chapter 7 that Moses was, was powerful in speech and action when he was growing up in, in Egypt. But here he's saying, I have never been eloquent. I don't know about that, Moses. Neither in the past, apparently he was, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He feels completely inadequate to carry out God's calling in his life. Um, you know, and Moses knew what God was asking him to do. Get in front of a million of your fellow Israelites and, and lead and speak. And speaking to the masses of people might have been overwhelming, even for a, a, 
a really skilled and capable and talented speaker. Um, so, um, so Moses is, is wrestling with this dilemma, this inward dilemma. Now, you might think that seeing the signs performed would have been enough for him to say, okay, God, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I saw you turn my stick into a snake. I've seen my hand become leprous and then back, healed back again. I bet you could do the, the turn the water into blood thing too, God. You know, you, you might think that Moses would say, in light of all that I've just seen, okay, I'll go for it. Um, but he doesn't, and he keeps pushing God and, and resisting what God is asking him to do. What does that tell you about Moses? There's this deeply rooted fear in his life. Somewhere in that fear is the struggle to fully trust God. To fully trust that God is going to help Moses do what he feels incapable of doing. Question for us. Do we really trust God and how God has made us? How God has made you? Do you trust what God is doing in your life? The other night, a few of us Brady's went out to dinner, and um, you know, a lot of people, for fun, you know, they'll go see a movie, or they'll go to a park, or they'll play games. The Brady family, for fun, we do personality tests with one another. That's 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 pretty goofy, right there. That's what we do for fun. Let's take personality tests so we can. Learn about how strange we are. Um, and we did one of those at dinner that, <laughs> just a few nights ago. And we've done all kinds of personality tests. And I know you've done different personality tests. You know, you do the Myers-Briggs type indicator. You get four letters that describe your personality. You do the, the DISC personality test. You get one letter out of four to describe your personality. Or you get an animal to describe your personality. You do the, you do the, the uh, the Harry Potter personality inventory, and you get a Harry Potter character assigned to you to describe your personality. Um, you get a number to describe your personality. You've you've done one of those, I'm sure. Um, have Have you ever taken one of those personality inventories and just been disappointed by what you got? Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I wanted to be number 12, but I got a 2, and everyone knows that 2 is not the number to be. You know, it's that's the lousy one. That's the worst one. Or, yeah, I did the Harry Potter one, and I thought I was going to be Hermione, and that would have been so great because she's smart and cool, and I got Neville, and no no one wants to be Neville. You know, <laughs> um, so we, we do these, and you get kind of bummed out. <laughs> have you ever thought of your personality and thought something like this. I wish I were more outgoing. I'm just not. I see all these outgoing people have an easy time in life, and that's not me. I, I wish God had made me different. Uh, I wish I wish I was less outspoken because I say some things and I get in hot water and uh, it's just I blurted out. I wish I were less outspoken. Um, I wish I were more detail-oriented because I kind of forget things. You know, we have these things about ourselves and like, oh, God, what were you thinking when you made me this way? We fail to trust 
the traits that God has given us. What does God say to Moses when Moses says, God, I, I, I just don't have this get in front of millions of people and speak and lead talent that apparently you're expecting me to have. What does the Lord say to Moses? Look at verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Happenstance in life? No. Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Just kind of chance in life? No. Is it not I, the Lord? God says, Moses, who made you? I made you. Who gave you your inner personality, Moses? I did that. Who gives you your natural strengths, Moses? I do that. I know exactly how I made you. And now I'm coming to you and asking you to go to Pharaoh and to help lead my people out of slavery. I know exactly who I wanted you to be. And I created you just like that. You can wish that you were different. Just know that God had something else in mind for you. When you wish you were different, say, but God... You knew exactly who you wanted me to be, and that's how you made me. I really like this uh, statement from George MacDonald, the old Scottish pastor, poet. This is great. Listen to this statement from George MacDonald. I would rather be what God chose to make me. I would rather be what God chose to make me then for the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thoughts, and then made by God is the dearest, grandest, most precious thing in all thinking. So I want to give you a thought about how God made you. How God made you is not a limitation, it's an invitation. Moses thought of his inner being as a limitation. God, I can't do that. I'm slow of speech. No one's going to listen to me. They're going to think, you know, who, who brought amateur hour to us to lead us out of Egypt? That's what they're going to think. God. God thinks, no, this is an invitation to see my power at work in your life. Just like when I asked you to lay down that staff, it's your invitation to see my power at work in your life. And God reassures him in verse 15, I will help both you and your brother Aaron speak, and I will teach you what to do. I've put in you, Moses, exactly who I want you to be. And I want to, I want you to live out of that. This unique calling that I'm giving to you. And I will work through you. But do not distrust who I have created you to be, Moses. We were talking about this story last week in our Wednesday night Bible study and, um, someone, 
mentioned this story about Mother Teresa and her her ministry to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. It's a story that um, I had not heard before, but I it's probably been been well traveled. This story. Um, a, a I think it was a BBC television reporter was was shadowing her, seeing what she was doing and interviewing her, and he watched as she was cleaning out this this guy's this man's sore um this wound that he had and it was just maggot infested i mean just i mean just heart wrenching and probably pretty grody nursing care that mother teresa was providing this man on the street and the reporter just looked at that and he said to her this is what he said I wouldn't do what you're doing for a million dollars. And Mother Teresa supposedly replied back with a bit of a wry smile, I wouldn't either. She was doing it because God had put something in her. And she was trusting that and living out of that laying that part of her down to the Lord saying, God, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I'm, I'm really compassionate about the poor and the sick. I don't know what you're going to do with this. But I'm setting it down for you to work through it. God has put something in you, and He's given you something. And He invites you to let Him use that part of you in this big story that he's doing, this redeeming the world, rescuing the world out of its slavery. He says, I want you to be a part of this work that I'm doing. I've given you something and I've put something in you. We we set it down. We lay down and let God make it come to life. Um, we're about to pray. I invite you to take out your note sheet. I want you to think about those two questions. What has God given me? How has God made me? And maybe you'll write something down. And right beside that, as we pray, um, if you don't write something down, I'd like for you to think about this today as you go about this week. Don't forget that. And I'd like for us to, to pray together now. We're going to invite you to just have a moment with the Lord. The, the best next step when asking those two questions is, Lord, help help me know what you've given me and how you've made me. Help me know what you're asking to, to set down so that you can use it in this, this great storyline of salvation that you're doing. And, uh, and let me pray for all of us as we consider how we're going to be a part of this storyline of redemption. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you for your awesome power. We don't have a distant God. We don't have a powerless God. We've got the almighty, all-knowing God as our Lord. And Father, forgive us when we think too small of our lives and just try to live our own storyline. When you call us to be 
part of your saving activity in the world. Lord, as we think through what have you given us, who have you made us to be, Lord, help us to, to know. Help us to, to will, you, will you inspire us? Will you illuminate something that um, we can make available to your use in our life? As we write something down, Lord, we pray for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Open up doorways. We want to give you full control. Open up opportunities to to serve you and to serve others in a life-giving way, in a way that shows them who you are, your presence and your love and your saving activity in this world your presence in this world. Lord, use us. And we pray this in the powerful and loving name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.